Hey everybody, I'm Tiara, and motherhood is hard. So let's talk about it. I'll be bringing you along as I navigate being a wife and mother to a medically complex child on the spectrum. Do you have your coffee ready? This is Stronger Now, the podcast. Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is part two of Something's Wrong. So if you haven't heard part one, please go back and listen so you can follow along with the story. But first, I want to kind of catch you up on life. Honestly, this week has been a doozy. Carter hasn't been feeling well lately, and it's really taking a toll on my mental health. I worry about Carter 24-7. It's the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning. It's the last thing I think about before I fall asleep. Um, and honestly, me worrying about him lately has really been robbing me of the joy of living in the moment because it completely consumes me. So I really need to find different ways to cope. You know, it's interesting when I talk about mental health, my mental health specifically, because I struggle. I struggle with voicing, voicing things out loud because I've definitely been in worse spaces than I am now. It's complicated because I'm very, very happy with where I'm at in life and with my relationships, you know, platonic and romantic. Um, You know, my kids, they fulfill me in life. And, you know, the Tierra sitting in the NICU with Carter would be so proud of my life today. So... In a sense, I feel like stressing in this blissful time in my life almost seems cringy. And right as I was having this internal battle with myself, one of my great friends texts me randomly and says that they would pull up to my house and politely ask Andy to move just to lay eyes on me to make sure that I'm okay. So I feel like that was God's sign that my village is here and they're strong as ever. My support system outside of Andy, because y'all know Andy's like a security blanket. It may not be healthy, but it, it is what it is. But all that aside, I really feel like, you know, I know that I have a great village and I know I have a support system And I honestly, I'm getting better. I'm getting better with utilizing them and I'm getting better with voicing how I'm feeling in the moment, not just voice. I'm very good at telling a story and going back and, you know, telling people, oh yeah, that was a horrible time in my life. And I'm very used to people looking shocked because they wouldn't have even known. So I'm getting better at telling people in the moment, like, you know, I'm not not in the best space or... I'm, you know, I'm extra stressed out about Carter lately. Um, but yeah, that that's where I'm at. Also, Andy came up with this amazing idea and I wanted to share it with you all because I feel like it could be a great date night or reconnecting time for you and your partner. So you take a piece of paper, you create a pyramid. You put a line down the center of the pyramid leaving just the triangle at the top open. So now you should have three pieces to the pyramid, the triangle at the top and the two equal sides underneath. Now, 
One side is for you to put your goals, dreams, and aspirations. And the other side is for your partner's dreams, goals, and aspirations. It should also have what you're going to do to achieve these goals, a timeline for your goals, etc. And at the top of the triangle, you put your goals and dreams for your family, for your relationship, together at the top. Why this is such a great idea is because it's written down. I truly believe that when you write things down, it really it really creates accountability and it manifests your dreams. But it also helps your partner see your goals as well and can help you achieve them or hold you accountable too. So honestly, you can sit down at a restaurant, ask for a kid's menu and do it right there at the table. It's so simple, but yet so impactful. And I just want to let you guys know, because I think it was a fun little exercise and definitely, definitely let me know if you try it. But like I said, today is part two of the Something's Wrong episode. So let's get into the episode. So Dr. Srivastava walks into the room. He sits down. Well, he introduces himself. Hi, I'm Dr. Srivastava. My mom and I, we say hi. Honestly, the first thing I notice is that he's a male doctor. I don't know why I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think to ask. I've never had a male doctor, primary primary physician or OBGYN. I've never had a male doctor. So when he walked in, that was the first thing I noticed was, oh, wow, he's a male doctor. Um, then he sits down and he takes a look at my scans, the scans that the ultrasound tech had just did. And he seems cool as a cucumber. I remember he seemed so calm, which now looking back, I'm like, of course he had to be calm. He sees probably the craziest things every single day in his practice. And he's, you know, he's looking over the scans. I'm laying on my side and He introduces himself. Hi, I'm Dr. Srivastava. He comes over to me. He asks me to lay on my back so that he can perform some scans himself. So he comes. He does the scan. He's looking at the ultrasound. And I tell him, I'm so sorry. I can't breathe. Can I lay on my side again? And he said, yeah, go ahead and lay on your side. And, you know, he's he's clicking all these buttons and He's looking at the ultrasound and he turns off the computer. He wipes my belly and he tells me to sit up. I sit up and he says, it looks like your baby has what's called a bowel obstruction. And my mom and I look at each other and we we just look at each other and we let him continue talking. He explains what a bowel obstruction is, which typically a bowel obstruction is when there is a kink or a twist in the loops of the bowels. And what this does is it cuts off flow, like it cuts off obviously stool and urine from going through the bowels. Fun fact, your amniotic fluid is pee and stool from your baby. And what your baby does is your baby drinks it, poops it out, drinks it, poops it out. So if you have a bowel obstruction in utero, which is when your baby is in the belly, if your baby has a bowel obstruction, they are peeing and pooping, peeing and pooping, but there is a kink in the loop. So your amniotic fluid will back up into 
the small intestine. Mind you, I'm no doctor, so please, if I'm getting that wrong, don't take it to heart. I just, this is what I remember from what Dr. Srivastava explained to me. So, you know, I'm trying to digest all of this information. He's letting me know, like, yes, your baby is going to have a surgery, going to have to have a surgery once they're born. It probably will be a day after birth. And my mom and I were, you know, I'm glancing out of the side of my eye because this is everything that we have Googled. Down to the T, everything that we had Googled. So Dr. Srivastava continues to say, like, you know, the, the baby will need surgery. If everything is complication-free, the baby will spend a little bit of time in the NICU, and then you can take him home. And like I said, my mom and I are just silent the whole time. And he stops, and he says, you guys are taking this surprisingly well. And my mom and I started to chuckle because we ended up telling him like, yeah, we Googled all of this. And he was like, okay. He was like, what I am almost certain that you have not Googled is why you can't lay on your back. So I was, I was stunned when he said that. I said, yeah, I can't lay on my back. It feels like I can't breathe. And he explains to me that I have what's called polyhydrominus. And what that is, is an excess amount of amniotic fluid. And he continues to explain to me that I have a very severe case. That's why my belly is so big. And I, I remember him telling me that you're supposed to have around eight centimeters of amniotic fluid. And how they measure it, it's it's interesting, but I remember it was the number eight. The number eight was normal, quote unquote, and I had 20 centimeters of fluid. And he basically explained to me that this is why I can't breathe. I have such an amount of amniotic fluid that I actually am going to have to get drained. And he explains that You'll have to get an amniotic drain so that your body doesn't think that you're 40 weeks pregnant and ready to go into labor. So I remember asking him, how will I know when it's time for me to get a drain? And he looks at me and he says, you'll feel like you're suffocating from the inside. And when I tell you, my heart sank. I was like, feel like you're suffocating. And he said, yeah. So when you feel like you cannot breathe, text me and it's time to get a drain. So I immediately look at my mom and what was kind of a smirk between both of us immediately was gone. Now I could tell her and I both had a worry, a worry look on our face because that was something that we were not expecting. I knew I didn't feel well. I knew my balance was off. I knew that I was having trouble breathing, but I did not expect to need to get what he's saying now is a drain. So we continue on with the doctor's appointment. And I want to say this because I feel like it's very important, especially with explaining my journey and why I felt so safe with the doctor I chose and why I feel like it's so important for women to feel safe with their doctor. After I received all of this information and 
Dr. Srivastava let me know what the pregnancy was going to look like, how hard the pregnancy was going to be for me. He looked me dead in the eye with a very calming voice and he asked me, do you want to proceed with the pregnancy? And I feel like this is important because when he asked me that, there was no judgment behind it. There was absolutely zero judgment in his tone, in his demeanor, everything. He asked me that as a doctor, a doctor that is concerned and only has my well-being at heart. And I immediately got that feeling when he asked me this question. And immediately I said, no, absolutely not. That's not an option for us. And he looked at me, he said, okay. He said, that's it. And he continued on with the appointment. So at this time, we're digesting all the information and I then ask him what the next steps are. And the next steps were that every week I'm going to be seen by him and get a scan done. And typically when you're pregnant, if you don't know, um, you don't get a lot of ultrasounds. You maybe get one ultrasound a trimester or, you know, if you want to go and get a 3D ultrasound, you might have one or two more. But for me, I had an ultrasound every single week. And the reason why was because they wanted to measure, well, one, they wanted to check on Carter and make sure that he was doing okay. And they also wanted to measure my amniotic fluid. Dr. Srivastava explained to me that I was going to have a premature baby. It was inevitable. How premature he was going to be was basically going to depend on my body. So our goal was to keep him inside the body as long as we could because we wanted him as strong and as large of a baby as we could so that he could make it out of surgery alive. So that was my goal. I go home, I tell Andy everything that we learned from the ultrasound and from meeting our new doctor. And it was a lot. It was a lot for me. It was almost harder for me to relay the information to Andy than it was for me to hear it to be honest. But he reassured me that everything was going to be okay and that he was going to do everything in his power to keep me comfortable, calm, and we were going to try to keep Carter in as long as we could. So at this time, Andy is working the day shift. He works 12 hours a day. And my mom basically had the day shift taking care of me and Andy had the night shift taking care of me. So As the week goes on, it is getting continuously worse. My belly at this point is so big. It is absolutely a 40-week pregnancy. I look 40 weeks pregnant. And not only do I look four weeks pregnant, but my belly is hard as a rock. And again, I can't breathe. You know, my balance is off. I get dizzy. Um, it was so bad. I, I lived in a one bedroom apartment and I couldn't walk from the bedroom to the kitchen without feeling winded. So one day I get up and well, actually it's about a week. Yeah. Almost a week to the day that I met Dr. Srivastava. I get up and I walk to the kitchen and I'm getting dizzy. So I sit down 
and I'm trying to catch my breath. And if you guys can imagine, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm hunched over as if I just ran a hundred yard dash. I'm huffing, I'm puffing, I'm trying to catch my breath. And I called my mom and I told my mom, I think it's time for me to get a drain. And my mom's like, okay, what do you want me to do? Where do you need me? I said, I need you to come get me and take me to the hospital. And I'm huffing and puffing on the phone. And she's like, I'm on my way. So my mom picks me up and immediately I'm huffing and puffing and it turns into a full-blown panic attack. I'm yelling at my mom. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'm crying. My mom calls the doctor's office and my mom is telling the lady at the front desk, she can't breathe. Where do we go? Where do we go? And the front desk lady says that she'll have Dr. Srivastava call us. Dr. Srivastava calls us and my mom's saying, she can't breathe. She can't breathe. I'm crying in the background, literally crying in the background. He says, meet me at labor and delivery and we'll do her amniotic drain. So we get to labor and delivery and they're hooking me up to all of these monitors and they're giving me an IV. They have me change into a gown. There's about four or five nurses in there. They're taking vitals. It's very hectic. I still cannot breathe. And I tell them, I need oxygen. Give me oxygen. I need oxygen. And I'm crying, tears falling. And the nurse tells me, you're crying. You can breathe. You're, you know, your, your stats look great. You're your vitals are fine. I just need you to calm down. I need you to calm down. And I, my panic attack, literally, boom, I knock out. Like, I don't know if I was just so exhausted from panicking or I was just trying to catch my breath. I don't know what happened, but I ended up falling asleep. I wake up and Dr. Srivastava's there. And he says, it's time. It's time for you to do your first amniotic drain. So we walk over to where they do little minor procedures. And it was so interesting because he quickly explains the procedure and he says, I'm going to take this needle. Guys, this needle was 10 inches long, 10 inches long. And at the end of the needle is a tube and... He explains to me that he's going to stick the needle in and connect the tube to these glass leaders, and he's going to fill the glass leaders up with amniotic fluid. And I remember, I remember there was a couple of nurses in there. One was assisting him. One was, you know, monitoring my vitals. And then Andy at my feet and my mom was in the corner, and then three other nurses that just wanted to see the procedure because it's not every day that you see an amniotic drain in the L&D. So I hear one of the nurses that's assisting the doctor, and she says, do you need a lidocaine shot? And my doctor says, no, it won't kick in in time. And he sticks me with the needle. No, no countdown, no nothing. He sticks me with the needle a little bit off to the right of my belly button and he starts to drain the amniotic fluid out and he's draining the fluid he's draining the fluid four liters later you guys the procedure is over and i can breathe again and 
it was the craziest experience of my entire life. The craziest experience. And it was all but 30 minutes long. It was not long at all. And I go into recovery and my doctor explains to me that I have to stay overnight because they need to make sure that I'm not going to have a uterine rupture, which is very rare. But with your uterus contracting so much with the fluid going down so much, it's a very possible thing that could happen. And it's actually life-threatening. So I stay overnight and the next day I get up and I get discharged and I am feeling like a million bucks. I can walk around the house. I can breathe again. Everything is amazing. And I go to my ultrasound at my doctor's office and he explains to me that this is temporary and that we will have to do several amniotic drains during my entire pregnancy to keep Carter Boy inside as long as we can. So that that was a hard pill for me to swallow because even though it even though that the you know the procedure went complication free, that wasn't a guarantee that it was going to be complication free the next time or the time after that or the time after that. So it was a lot for me to take in, but at this time I'm just enjoying the little bit of peace and the little bit of relief that I have going forward. So fast forward, I end up having six amniotic drains before Carter was born at 32 weeks. This was not an easy pregnancy, you guys. I was in so much pain. I, I Every photo that I have of my pregnancy, you can see I'm in tears and I couldn't clean my house. Andy actually took our vacuum apart so that I didn't even try to clean the house. I couldn't walk to the kitchen. My mom drove me everywhere. I had to basically be monitored all day to make sure that I was safe. And I was I was just not having a great pregnancy. But one thing I can say is, that since Carter was my first full experience of being pregnant, I I didn't know anything different. I didn't know anything different. I couldn't compare one pregnancy to the other. So my stress level was very low. I didn't stress about a lot. I honestly think that ignorance was bliss because I just focused on the pain that I was in and I didn't think about all the things that were going wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm almost thankful for that because I really got to keep my stress level down, which I think in turn kept him in the belly longer. So yeah, that is my pregnancy journey. And thank you guys for following along for this two part episode. I know I left you guys off with a little bit of a cliffhanger and I hope that this episode was worth the wait. Thank you so much for listening to my journey. I'm going to be posting pictures of my super pregnant belly and I'm going to be posting an actual video of my amniotic drain. If you guys are interested, please go and follow me on Instagram at StrongerNowPod and let me know. Let me know what your journey, your pregnancy journey was and how it was, if you guys had any complications, if you had any um 
anything happen that you weren't expecting. I would love to hear your stories. I really created this podcast to build a community with other moms. And I mean, even if you had a great pregnancy journey, like, let me know. Let me know how how that experience changed you, how thankful you are for that experience. I want to hear all of the baby stories. And thank you so much for following along for this two-part episode I want to end the episode with a love note and the love note is that you did it. You brought your baby earthside and through all of the pain, all the discomfort, all of the drains and crazy contractions and crazy scenarios, you did it and you sacrificed for your baby the first of many sacrifices and I couldn't be prouder. Again, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I can't wait to chat with you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for finishing your coffee with me. As always, I'm sending a big hug. Please don't forget to review and rate this podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, share with a friend. You can find me on Instagram at StrongerNowPod. I'll see you next Tuesday for more stories. Bye, guys.